1: new church established by God established by his Holy Spirit was under the reign of God's Holy Spirit under the headship if you will of God's Holy Spirit. We've talked about it before our headship is Jesus Christ he is the head of this church, it's his church and by his Holy Spirit he leads us through things But they steadfastly taught his word, they steadfastly had fellowship, they steadfastly broke bread and they steadfastly prayed and a church which is alive and spiritually growing will do these things
0: What are the signs of a spiritually growing church? In today's message from Pastor Dave, he teaches you that God's church should be steadfast in fellowship, prayer, reading the Word, and taking communion. When the church is diligent in these ways, it's growing spiritually and producing much fruit for the kingdom. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 2 as he continues his message, God's model for His church.
1: Jesus was loving them. I can imagine some of those times around the campfires were probably better than anything that ever happened to some of them. And can you imagine the times when you might have been disgusted or or dejected as a disciple, and Jesus came up to you and put his arm around you and walked the other way and said, started talking to you? Wow. You don't think these guys knew who Jesus was? Wow. Oh, yeah, they knew who Jesus was. They watched him go off and pray every morning. They were eyewitnesses to his life. There were eyewitnesses to his ministry. They were eyewitnesses to his death and resurrection. And the new church would study God's promises together. And they would learn through the Holy Spirit. For where the Spirit reigns, a love for God's word reigns also. These new converts hungered for God's word. And I have to ask you, Christian, do you have a hunger for God's word? Do you love to devour his word? I mean, you love to read it and chew upon it and allow the Holy Spirit just to minister to you as you read God's Word? You hunger for God's Word. It's the backbone of a healthy Christian life. They hunger for God's Word. In fact, Peter in 1 Peter 2.2 says, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that you may grow up in your salvation. It's interesting that Peter would write this because when Peter was being restored by Jesus, after he denied Jesus What did Jesus say to him? Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. And here you see Peter and the apostles doing that exact thing. Taking the doctrine that they knew, the life of Jesus Christ, and feeding the sheep. The new sheep, the new 3,000 converts were being fed God's Word. I believe that it's a ministry's primary obligation to teach the Word of God. That's why we teach here at Calvary Chapel, line upon line, verse upon verse so that you will have the whole counsel of God, Genesis to Revelation, not missing anything out. When the Spirit reigns, God's people continually devote themselves to the study of God's Word. We must give adherence to this as an essential part of any ministry because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What was considered sin 2,000 years ago, it's still considered sin. And what was acceptable to God 2,000 years ago, it's still acceptable to God. Nothing has changed in his word, and we need to make that. We need to take God's word and we make it, apply it to our lives. We have to apply it. Just because society has changed does not mean God has changed. God has not changed. And we praise him for that, for still being on the throne. He hasn't abdicated the throne. He is still there. So for this very reason, every effort should be made to keep distractions at a minimum when the word of God is being taught. A distraction can cause someone to miss out on the very thing that God wants to explain to them today in their heart. We know from Second Timothy 3.16, Paul says, the word of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. I don't want anybody to miss anything that God has to say. I don't want anybody to miss anything that God is preparing to do in their hearts today as you sit before him. In other words, the Word of God must have its proper respect. And the Word of God must be allowed to do what it wants to do in your lives, which means you need to receive it, accept it, and then apply it. We talked about application a couple of weeks ago. So the first essential of the early church was the Apostles' Doctrine. Not only was this a huge emphasis on the early church, it should be a huge emphasis on what we do in this church as well, and it is. The second essential is fellowship. And they continued steadfastly in Apostles' Doctrine and Fellowship. They had fellowship one to another. Now, this was more than just hanging out. This was a lot more than just hanging out. This kind of fellowship did not exist before the Holy Spirit fell. It didn't happen that way. The word for this fellowship in the Greek is koinonia. It's a spiritual fellowship that happens. The root idea here is commonness or commonality. The first mention is right now of this word koinonia is in Acts 2.42, and it's the first time it's mentioned. Every time it's used in the New Testament, it talks about sharing, either with someone or sharing something to someone, or sharing together, like in 2 Corinthians 8.4 or 2 Corinthians 9.13. It means collection or offering or contribution, but not necessarily monetary. There's so many things more we can share with each other than money. There's so many things more that we can share. We can share God's love. We can share prayer. We can share God's hope. We can share God's encouragement. We get to know each other on a personal level. We share in each other's lives. Scripture says, bear each other's burdens. Well, you need to feel comfortable with me if you want to lay a burden on me that I can bear with you. So you got to get to know me, and i got to get to know you. That's fellowship. That happens as the Word of God is preached. After the Apostles' Doctrine is preached, we talk. We have fellowship after church. We drink coffee, and we stand around and talk. And God invariably comes up. Jesus invariably comes up. And we talk about the Lord and how wonderful He's been in my life. And all of a sudden, you might need prayer, and boom, prayer breaks out. See, this kind of fellowship didn't exist until the Holy Spirit came. The word is also used when describing sharing an experience with somebody. Fellowship comes through giving and giving of yourself. It's doing for others. Why? Because you're motivated by love. Love should be the motivator of everything we do. Motivated by love. Fellowship is the preeminently work of the Holy Spirit, making us all one in Jesus Christ and the Father. When we experience koinonia with the Father and the Son... We draw closer to each other in fellowship, and we enjoy this wonderful time. When we gather for Christian fellowship, it should be an intent to bless and to be blessed. That's what we want to do. I want to make sure that you're blessed, and it's okay if you bless me once in a while, too. That's okay. We want to bless each other. Why? Because we love each other, and we want to bless each other. Look at the things we, as a church, share. We share in the same Lord Jesus. We share in the same guide for life, the Bible. We share in the same love for God. We share in the same struggles of life and the same victories. We share in the same job of living for him. And we share in the same joy of communicating the gospel message to those around us. That's koinonia. That's something we really share and we can talk to each other about that. You know, we just, we pray for each other. We we lift each other up. We talk to each other about our problems. We help each other out. You know, it's a great joy when we of like minds come together and share the trueness of fellowship. Remember the scripture? For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst, Jesus said in Matthew eighteen twenty, There is strength, there is power, there is comfort, there is encouragement when we fellowship with each other because Jesus is there. Jesus is in the midst. We're told not to forsake the gathering of the brethren. In Hebrews ten twenty four it says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as some do but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. And the day is in capital letters. What's that day? The day of Jesus Christ, the day he returns. We need to be in fellowship, not forsaking. Satan knows what happens when you come to fellowship. Your enemy has an idea and knows exactly what happens when you come to fellowship. Let me ask you a question. You're not feeling so good. You've had a rotten day. Things aren't going so well at the office or whatever. And stuff like that. What's the first thing you want to cut out? Bible study. First thing that so easily gets checked off your list is Bible study. Because Satan knows that's the exact place you're supposed to be. He knows that if you go there, you'll be encouraged. You'll feel better about yourself. You may even get healed. You, who knows what's going to happen? But no, because we have this flesh that we carry around, you know, woe is me. I'm going to stay home and have my pity party. I'm not going to go to fellowship today. They don't like me anyhow. Well, you just believe the lie. You just fell into Satan's lie and he's going, got another one. Let me see who can I move on now. We need to push through. Remember what we talked about last week? Pressing onward, pushing through. We need to press onward to the high calling of God through Christ Jesus. This one commentator had a really great analogy about fellowship. And we all like the barbecue. Man, we all love the barbecue. And I'm of the old school where, you know, you used to pour the coals in there and you used to light them and you used to sit there and watch them and they'd get white and they'd get all hot and neat and stuff like that. They were great. And as long as all those coals were together, they were nice and hot and toasty. But as, you, as soon as you start spreading around and one of those poor puppies jumped out of the grill, it was hot for a while, and all of a sudden, boom, nothing. It wasn't next to the hot ones. It wasn't next to the rest of the grill. That's what fellowship does for us. Fellowship keeps us hot, keeps us excited about the Lord, keeps us on fire, so to speak. Maybe, just maybe, this is what Jesus was saying when he talked to the church of Laodicea. And he says, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. And I wish that you were cold or hot Then so, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. Maybe that's what he was referring to. There's a potential for great heat when we get together. There's a potential for great heat. And the heat could be looked at as fruit fruit of our lives. So that's why fellowship is so important to us. We become a flame. We become on fire. And and we glow like those coals glow when we're close together. There's power when the body gets together in fellowship. It's a joyous time. To be a part of a thriving believing fellowship of a church what a wonderful experience we share in knowing jesus christ what a wonderful experience the third essential is the breaking of bread the third essential is the breaking of bread, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine in fellowship and the breaking of bread this newly formed church spent time breaking bread together now their breaking bread was calming experience and very important to their culture And as most cultures have, whether you be Italian, Irish, German, a lot of things always took place where? Around the table, around the dinner table. And depending upon your culture, more things took place there than not, okay? It was a very, very big time to break meal together and to eat together. Well, that's the same back here, but only back here, you really ate together because you sat at a very small table, you took the bread, you broke it, and there was this big thing of sop, they called it, and you stuck your bread in there and you took a bite. And then you double-dipped and took another bite, and you triple dip, and took another bite. Well, the guy across from you, they're doing the same thing. Everybody's got their hand in the old sop, and they're all dipping in there. You talk about being one, you talk about being one together. You were sharing everything right back then. Nobody said, oh, I don't want that. i like my old bowl, please. And they thought you were crazy. I mean, Jesus even spoke of that. Remember when they were at the, at the Last Supper and they wanted to say, He said, somebody's going to betray me. He said, I, is it I, is it I? And he said, it's the one I give the sop to. And he stuck it and gave it over to Judas. So it was very important to their culture. It was very, very, you know what? I love going to these places where they give you a loaf of bread. And it's cut just a little bit. And then what you have to do is you have to tear off your piece. I like that. I just think that's really cool because then each person going into the, into the bread gets their own piece and they rip it off. So that's, really, that's really what it's talking about here, breaking of bread. We're sharing bread with one another. And I don't know. You know what happens over a meal. You talk. You share. You, you, you share each other's loves. You share each other's problems. And what a great testimony. When you're talking about it over a meal, evangelism happens. A lot of evangelism happens when you're talking about over a meal, inviting people to your house for dinner and things like that. You get to know people on a personal level as you break bread together. It says the church did this daily in Acts 2:46. But there's a twofold meaning to breaking of bread. There's a twofold meaning to breaking of bread, and although the first is very important, I think it's very important culturally, it's very important spiritually, but the second fold meaning in breaking of bread, when the new church broke bread together at the end of every meal, they had communion. They celebrated the Lord's supper because they had wine. Wine was, a, was an important part of their meal. And they also had the bread. So at the end of every meal, they broke the bread in remembrance of Jesus Christ and they drank the wine. They had communion. And that's what they're talking about here. Because in communion, we come together in the oneness of what Christ has done for us. We remember what the bread means. We remember what the wine means. And they are synonymous with the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we're reminded of that when we come to the table. I love to have communion. It's a wonderful time of seriousness. As as a corporate body, we take communion in front of the Lord. But individually, as you're taking communion, you prepare your heart. You get your heart right with God, and you allow him to express his love to you in so many different ways. And that's why I tell you to all hold the bread at the same time, and collectively we all take the bread. And then we all hold the juice in the same thing, collectively we take it. But individually, God is ministering to you as we're doing that in communion. And I think that's what they're meaning here. It's an important event to break bread as often as possible. It's an important event for the Lord's table to be celebrated. And we try to celebrate it here at Calvary Chapel at least once a month. We try to come to the Lord's table. We did last week. We try to do it the first Sunday of every month. We try to come to the table. We don't make that a legalistic thing, but it just happens. And if we don't get it the first of the month, sometimes we'll go to the second or something. But we try to do it at least month to month, celebrating communion. Whenever we discuss the Lord's Supper or communion as a congregation in our homes, or we have a discussion about Jesus, we have an opportunity to present the gospel message. We have an opportunity to discuss Jesus. And I don't know about you guys, I don't know if you've ever had communion at home, but what a wonderful experience to have communion at home. What a wonderful experience to have communion with just a couple people over at your house. What a wonderful, wonderful experience to share God's love that way. The early church broke bread together, and they celebrated the Lord's Supper daily. The fourth essential is prayer. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. The new believers pray together. Prayer is an essential part of every believer's life. It's communication with God. In prayer, we praise Him. We thank Him. We confess our sins to Him. We make supplications to Him. We make intercessions on others' behalf to Him. We commune with God. It's His way of communing with us as we pray. When we pray, we humble ourselves before Him and ask that His will would be done. We try to align our will and His will together. Prayer is not about me getting my will done. Prayer is about Him getting His will done through me. And in prayer, I try to align my will with His. Can you imagine this new body of believers? Remember, they were all Jewish Remember now, as they prayed, I can see all these traditional prayers that they prayed. All of a sudden, there's a new way to pray. And all of a sudden, these things, the traditional they have, are all coming to life. And they're seeing their old traditional prayers in a new way. I can imagine the feeling that they had. And these people prayed hard. They prayed with boldness. What a wonderful time it must have been for them. You know, it's one of the most effective tools we have for accomplishing God's work here on earth is prayer. Instead of saying, when someone says, let's pray, you go, has it come to that? Should be the first thing we do. It should be the first thing we do is pray. Anytime something happens, we should pray immediately. We shouldn't wait till it gets so bad that somebody says, Well, we gotta pray now. But that's what we do. But that's what we do. You know, we wait. You know, you'll be running around amok, people will be running around all of a sudden. And somebody says, gee, did anybody pray? Nah, we don't have time for prayer. Let's do this. You know? We should be the first thing we do. We should pray. We should pray. I was reading an instruction booklet called Doing Ministry God's Way. And the person who wrote it said, get your congregation praying and keep them praying. What a great thought. The Christian battles, ladies and gentlemen, are won on its knees. You want to win your Christian battle? Get on your knees and pray. You want things to happen in the church? Collectively, we get on our knees and we pray. In his book, Effective Prayer Life, Pastor Chuck Smith says that God is the source of strength, but prayer is the channel through which God gives us His strength. We seek God's strength. The problem is... James says, we don't pray. In James 4, verse 2, he says, you have not because you don't ask. And then he goes on to say, but when you ask, you ask amiss. You ask with the wrong heart. Remember, the motive of all that we do is love. James says, you don't have it because you don't ask. And then when you ask, you're asking crazy things. If you're wondering why you're not seeing things happen, and the way you want to happen, it might be because you haven't prayed about it or prayed correctly that God's will would be done. It's not having a temper tantrum through Lord before the lord going i want this done i want this done i want this done it's saying to him nevertheless thy will be done early church knew this early church prayed for boldness and they received boldness early church prayed for peter's relief and they received peter's release from prison that's one of my most favorite stories we'll get to that in a couple years when we get that probably chapter five of acts i don't know Uh, we'll probably get to it sooner than that but anyhow. They're all praying for Peter's release, and there's a knock on the door, and a little girl goes up and up, and and Peter's standing there, and she goes, we're praying for Peter's release. Close the door, and he's going, it's Peter. No, we're praying for Peter's release. church has to pray together. We've got to pray. Look at these four essential elements. All these four essential elements were powered by the Holy Spirit. They got their power, and it led the church to turn the world upside down. They turned the world topsy-turvy. They showed people a new way to look at politics, a new way to look at religion, a new way to relate to God. These elements, just as the take leg table, must all be in place. If you take one of these elements away, you're in a possibility of a collapse. You've got to be very, very careful here. But we left out a word. There is a word we didn't talk about. And that word is steadfastly. The scripture says they did this steadfastly. Steadfastly. Webster's, our buddy at Webster, defined steadfast as being fixed or firmed and not changing. One of the commentators said, a steadfast and single-minded devotion to a certain course of action. This shows us that the early church chose a course of action. They did these things steadfastly as they were led by the Holy Spirit, and they strictly adhered to it. They didn't vary. Being persistent, they pursued God with a fervent passion. They had a fervent passion for God, and they pursued Him. Just like we said last week, they pressed onward. You know, the Christians you're going to meet in the book of Acts. they were not content to meet once a week. They were not content just to meet one time. They met daily, it says in verse 2:46. They cared for each other daily, it says in 6:1. They won Souls daily in 2:47. They searched the Scriptures daily in 1711, and they increased the number daily in 165. These Christians who had faith, it was a day-to-day reality of their lives. It wasn't just one day of the week, not once a month, not once every so often. Why did they have that? Because the risen Christ was a living reality to them. His resurrection power was at work in their lives through the Holy Spirit. To sum up these verses, I believe that the church that builds its ministry upon these principles will experience growth. These four activities will develop the foundation of a Christian's life. Continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. If you do these things, you will have fruit, and fruit that lasts, and we will have victory like you've never had it before, individually and corporately. This church that we're talking about, this new church established by God, established by His Holy Spirit, was under the reign of God's Holy Spirit, under the headship, if you will, of God's Holy Spirit. We've talked about it before. Our headship is Jesus Christ. He is the head of this church. It's His church. And by His Holy Spirit, He leads us through things. But they steadfastly taught his word. They steadfastly had fellowship. They steadfastly broke bread. And they steadfastly prayed. And a church which is alive and spiritually growing will do these things. And then all the onus is off of us. Because if you go to Acts 2 47, it says, And God added to the church daily those that would be saved. We don't have to go knocking door to door. We don't have to do all these things. Oh, yes, it's fun to have events. It's fun to have coffee houses so you can minister to people. It's fun to have movie nights and, and football gatherings where we can fellowship. with. It's fun to have those things. It's fun to have those things. But if we're doing church God's way, God will add to it. If you're faithful in the small things, you will be faithful in the many things because He will make you that way. If you do church the way God had planned it to do it, He will give you their heart's desires. He is the one that provides for this church. He is the one that keeps this church going. Do we have difficulties in some areas? Sure we do. We're gravely concerned about our children's ministry and what we're going to do with our children's ministry. We're worried that people might not be coming because we don't have a bigger children's ministry or a place to keep them. We're going to try to divide that back area back there and do some things differently because this is where God has us right now. And until he moves us on, we have to faithfully use this building to its fullest extent. As God leads and as God guides, he'll provide. We're going to do ministry God's way these four essentials, like the legs of a table, must be in place.
0: The stories you've been hearing about Peter, Paul, Stephen, and the many other followers of Jesus are meant to inspire you and encourage you. These brave people lived long ago and had the privilege of seeing the gospel message spread from its point of origin, Jesus himself. Their testimony and diligence in spreading the good news of hope and new life changed hearts and saved countless people and continues on even today through the writings and acts and the rest of the new testament however the lives you were studying weren't without trial each disciple of jesus faced persecution in some form yet it never swayed them to abandon their faith what difficulties are you facing for jesus now don't lose heart remember that you're sharing the truth and that the truth can set people free You have the Savior of the world on your side, and He will stand with you through every trial and triumph. We're so glad you joined us for today's edition of Assure Hope as we continue to study the book of Acts with Pastor Dave Schenck. If you'd like to listen to more teachings, we invite you to visit our website, assurehoperadio.com. Feel free to download and share Pastor Dave's teachings or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Are you in the Cape May area? If so, we want to meet you. Come join us this Sunday at 10 a.m. at Calvary Chapel Cape May to learn more from the Word, sing praises to your Lord, and fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Find out more at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for joining us today on Assure Hope.